We got the mother and the kids, we got the guy and his date. We all get mad, we all get late. Looks like somebody forgot about us. Sitting on the corner, waiting for a bus. Hello, my name is Tom Chick, and you are listening to the Quarter to Three Games Podcast. Where we talk to the people who make the forum what it is about the games that matter to them. Today we have with us Atomic Playboy. Yeah, you're going to have to explain that one, Mark. Uh, Mark, you are Mark Marinelli, uh, and you post on the forum as Atomic Playboy. Why? Well, first of all, it has absolutely nothing to do with Hugh Hefner or uh, the swinging lifestyle of the 1960s. Okay. Uh, it is, uh, it's taken from a quote um, by a uh-huh. guy named Admiral William Blandy. Um, I'm sort of a, uh, I don't know, amateur historian, enthusiast, not whatever for the Cold War. And uh, one of my favorite shining examples of the mix of just craziness in the 1940s and 50s at sort of the beginning of the atomic age was a quote by this admiral who was, uh, I think he was running uh, Operation Crossroads, which was the beginning of atomic testing uh, after the war. You know, they, they went and they started bombing islands out in the Pacific. And he was addressing his detractors and said, um, Yada yada, don't worry about the bomb. It's not going to crack a hole in the Earth's crust. It's not going to ignite the atmosphere. I am not an atomic playboy. I am not exploding these bombs on my personal whim or something like that. So somebody had impugned this guy as being some sort of mad scientist blowing off these bombs, and, and that was his defense. He's not an atomic playboy. Very nice. I like that. Okay, good. You, you've just uh, salvaged your username in my eyes. I used to think it was pretty goofy, but uh, that's pretty respectable. I like that. Uh, now, I, I'm immediately reminded uh, when you mentioned being a Cold War fan, I, what comes to mind is, and I don't know if this is in your, uh, if this is in your wheelhouse, if this is the kind of game you like, but have you played Call of Duty Black Ops? I have not because I was playing Fallout, uh, Fallout New Vegas, which was sort of the Cold War to its logical conclusion. Um, but I'm looking forward to Black Ops. I just haven't made the time for it yet. Do you know anything about historical personages that are present in Call of Duty Black Ops? Yes, and about certain historical personages who are a bit angry about being portrayed in Black Ops, I guess. Oh, really? Um, well, some somebody... Um, Someone in the either the Cuban government or somebody on the uh, the uh, behest of the Cuban government made a big stink about the uh, maybe we're getting into spoiler territory. I don't know. I haven't played the game, but uh, with the Bay of Pigs and an anti-Castro part of the game. Right. Yeah. The opening level is is Cuba, and you're you're part of the Bay of Pigs. But uh, I I wonder if if that's something Cuba traditionally does because Cuba the same thing figured in the the Godfather game also. Um, so, but there's something beyond, like the whole Castro thing, that's not really a spoiler. Like I said, it's the first level. Uh, that's been done in video games before. There are other really cool surprises waiting for you besides Castro, I'm just saying. Uh, so you, you've got that uh, to look forward to. But no Atomic Playboys. Uh, you know what? I think one could make an argument that one of the historical personages could be perceived as an Atomic Playboy. 
but I'll just leave that to your imagination, and, and you'll find out when when you get around to playing it. Uh, will you play that? Are you a, are you a shooter guy? Oh yeah, I, I, I wouldn't even I, I wouldn't bill myself as a shooter guy in the twenty some odd years that I've been playing games. But really, in the end, I end up playing a lot more shooters or higher percentage of shooters as my games is is I would think. Right. Um, I, I really do end up liking them a lot. Yeah. Uh, now you, uh, let's talk a bit about you before we get into games. I'm so glad you picked the game you want to talk about today, because uh, uh, there's some things for it that I want you to answer for, but we'll, we'll get to that shortly. <laughs> uh, you live here in Southern California, like I do, but like me, you are an imported uh, person. You don't, you're not from here. Uh, you came out here from Boston. Why? A woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, are you sure that's such a good idea, Mark? And how's that working out for you? Well, I'll let you know in uh, three <laughs> months when we've got rings on each other's fingers. Um, yeah, we, we came out, we got engaged, we're getting married in uh, Mexico in a few months. So, so far, so good. Hey, you're going to Mexico to get married? Yeah, yeah, we're getting married in uh, Puerto Vallarta. On, uh, oh, you, you'll like this. You're a Hollywoodish guy, I guess. It, we're getting married on the beach which is John director John Houston's old bungalow. Wow. Uh, where he filmed, I think it was Night of the Iguana, maybe, and kind of fell in love with Puerto Vallarta and uh, built this huge sort of compound. And then, I don't know, I think it was donated to the Mexican government, made a nature preserve or something like that. And uh, that's the place where we're actually going to be getting married. I, I might come crash your wedding. Yeah, knock yourself <laughs> out. It's, it's a, well, we went to a wedding there a few years ago and um it had this like uh, fantasy island kind of uh tiki torches and beach and sunset and everything vibe that we really loved so we just said sign us up now uh so you have a wedding coming in three months uh is it a big wedding a medium wedding a small wedding what what is your life like right now with a, a wedding uh three months ahead in your future well, the, the wonderful part of this is that it is basically a turnkey wedding, being a destination wedding down in Mexico uh, in a facility that often does weddings. Mm -hmm. uh, they take care of everything. That we are, We're not going out and looking for the flower person and, and the decorators to do this, that, and the other thing. We're really, I mean, we're somewhat limited by the choices that we have through them, um, but all the legwork is really kind of taken care of. That's great. Yeah, that's yeah. like the way to do it. Yeah, it takes the stress out of everything. Neither one of us is remotely um, stressed about it because of all the logistics just, you know, outsourced, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's a small wedding because it's, uh, it's a destination wedding. It would have been a destination wedding regardless because all of our families are either on the other side of the country or the other side of the world, so they would have had to get on a plane anyway, so we just said, let's, let's do it down in Mexico. Right, right. Good. And uh, so this is in, uh, in February, you said? Yes. Now, did you plan it this way because there aren't many games that come out in February? Oh, my God. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> okay. I'm just, I'm just wondering. Uh, what, is, what is your uh, fiancé's first name? Kitty. K-I-D-Y-E. It's uh, Ethiopian. So it's, oh, that's a it's beautiful name. Oh, that, that's, that's beautiful, Mark. Kitty? Did I say it right? Yes. Yes, you did. It's like a kitty pool, not a kitty cat. Oh, that is lovely. Wow. Uh, so I'm kind of curious. I mean, is she going to take your last name? Yes, she is. Let me tell you about, uh, if you don't already know this, have you, have you spent time in Africa? 
Uh, I've been there, but I have not spent much time there. Maybe a, all told, maybe a month or so. Um, well, and I don't know how much uh, this is an East Africa thing or maybe just an Ethiopia thing, but um, last names are passed on. They sort of evaporate in a couple of generations because your your last name is your father's father's name and your middle name is your father's name, first name. Mm-hmm. And over time, that your, your last name changes. So, oh, so this is just part of the natural flow. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're not as um, attached, I guess, or, or I shouldn't say they. She isn't um, all that attached to, uh, you know, holding on to her maiden name. But she gets to keep her father's first name as her middle name, even when she takes my name. So, and the yeah. irony of it is that I'm, I'm ostensibly Italian, right, Marinelli. I don't speak a word of Italian. She's fluent. So she will now, like, the, the circle is complete. Uh, now, is she fluent because there's a big Italian presence in Ethiopia? Like, uh, I, I yeah, just, and not a happy one. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's what the, the occupiers there. Uh, all right. Oh. Not not while she was growing up. I mean, that, that was all really dissipated, but it's, it's certainly a reason why Italian took root. So, so did you by any chance meet her in Ethiopia? Have you actually been to Ethiopia? No, no. I, the only time I've ever been to Africa was the other coast. Um, but I, uh, no, I met her in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have um, tentatively planned to have a second wedding ceremony in Ethiopia the year after this wedding. Oh, I want to I crash that one instead. Yeah, so, yeah, a lot of my friends have said that. You know, we've been to Mexico before. We'd, we'd love to go to Ethiopia instead. And, and the Ethiopian wedding ceremony is like days long, everybody <laughs> under the sun. Um, there, it was rumored that... I may actually have to kill a sheep, uh, but and and you know all my all my gaming training. Um, but uh, I, I think I might opt out of that. But the, you know the sacrificial lamb or whatever that that um, then becomes the dinner um, for the ceremony. Um, it's customary sometimes, depending on where you live and what your family's like, uh, for the groom to uh, give it the axe. Right. So then, uh, is it? So you used to work in Boston. I did. Uh, went to school there and, and worked there for many years. Now, when you were working there, and you meet this chick with a really cool name who lives out on this coast, uh, did you end up like leaving your job and everything to move out here with her, or did you get transferred out here? What happened with the whole? How, how difficult was it to make the move from Boston to the West Coast uh, for, for this situation? Professionally, it was uh, just changing my my tax status, really. But um, it, we came out pretty easily after I moved out here. However, um, my my company looked like they were kind of going south, and I ended up getting another job, um, which coincidentally, I guess, or, or tangentially to the the whole game uh, industry, was for uh, Macrovision makers of uh, some DRM solutions and buyers of some companies that made DRM solutions that were pretty, uh, pretty, I don't know, insidious. You're, you're a terrible man, Mark. I was not part of that side of the house. I mean, I, I guess I, you know, somebody else set the bomb off. Maybe in some way I was helping to build it, but um, I was not in the front line doing bad things. 
All right. Why don't you ask some of the Nazis how that played out? At yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, so tell me about so working on DRM. You, you did warn me that your your regular software job, which is what you do, was, was kind of boring. So skip that and tell me what it was like working on DRM and being a gamer. Were you able to sleep at night? Were you just did you have overwhelming shame and self loathing? It probably curbed my, uh, I am not a pirate, um, but in, when I was younger, I was maybe a little bit, well, definitely a little bit more of a pirate. Um, it, it, it maybe curbed my, it helped curb my piracy, which I was already doing. I was, I was stopping that because as a guy who works in the software industry, I kind of saw that the moral lapse of, uh, pirating the occasional game. Um, but then working with them and seeing, what what happens when when pirates do their thing? Then companies end up taking on these draconian DRM policies that everybody hates, mm-hmm. uh, myself included. So um, I, I do think that that part of our company, um, which I had kind of not all that much to do with directly, um, was doing the devil's work. But it was people like me in my college dorm room grabbing games for free that were causing it. You know the root cause of it. Now, to be fair, though, I mean this is such a complex issue, and you know there have been many, many threads that go on in many, many directions, many, many discussions about the thing. But I, I am kind of sympathetic with uh, game makers and the need to protect their games. Being also having also been a pirate in my younger days, I suspect you and I were what were probably of a similar age, and, and certainly I came from a time where you just go on a BBS and you download a bunch of games, and that's just how you roll. And then exactly. every now and then you buy one as well. But you yep. know, uh, So uh, you, you did mention, though, however, uh, an instance, I think you said a coworker had some anecdote about breaking a game with DRM. Yeah, and, and I've been trying to think of the game over the last few minutes. Um, I had lunch with one of the engineers on uh, directly on the uh, DRM side of the house, and he explained to me, and he was very proud of this, some sort of, uh, kind of like a Trojan horse that they had put in whatever game this was, and it was, it wasn't an action game, it wasn't like, you know, a, a, or, a, or an arcade game, it wasn't a Pac-Man thing, this was like a, a role-playing game, or a 20-hour game, and they built some sort of a sort of Trojan horse into the game that and this would only manifest in a pirated copy that hadn't been authenticated or whatever, um, that like 10 hours into the game, you know, imagining that you've, you've got your character all leveled up and you're about to go kill fools or something like that, it would detonate on you. Um, and it would, it, and, and not even like all at once either. I think it would sort of like degrade the performance of the game or I don't know, in some way it just had this, um, horrible way of breaking the game for pirates after they had already invested a bit in it. Right. And which is the best way to, to get them. I mean, I, I, that, that reminds me of, I think it was Codemasters in one of their, was it was it one of the Arma games or the, uh, uh, the any, there, there was a, a game that had a system called Fade and it was a shooter where uh, if it was a pirated copy, it would play just fine at first, but eventually your guns would get less and less accurate. Uh, to where eventually you would shoot at stuff and you, you absolutely couldn't hit it. Um, Is that Operation Flashpoint? Yes, yes. I'm almost positive you're right, Mark. Yeah, yeah. I seem to recall that was Operation Flashpoint. And didn't, uh, and I'm a little fuzzy on this as well, didn't Ubisoft have some game from the last couple of years 
that, and I don't know if it was ever confirmed, but there was apparently some bug that that was introduced into the DRM, like an intention, if it was pirated, it was an intentional bug that would emerge, and the game was so widely pirated that this got passed along as something inherent in the game that was a problem with it, that the game was broken, because so many people were playing pirated versions, kvetching about it online, that it created this perception that this bug is part of the actual game. Do you know what I'm talking about? I know. I, I can't remember the title. I remember the controversy. They, they thought this was like a great idea, but then it ended up uh, maybe hurting sales because people just said the game's buggy. Right, um, right. And, yeah, I forget what it was, but I know what you're talking about. Right. Uh, but you're out of that DRM thing now. You're now back to being one of the good guys, right? You, you, uh, you, you're not working for the man anymore. Yes, I'm no longer uh, working directly <laughs> for the bad guys now. Uh, but you do, so I do want to talk about your job in that your, your company is still in Boston. You are out here in San Diego. Uh, what's your commute like in the mornings? Um, it's usually, well, depending on whether my fiance is in the bathroom, it's either like a 20-foot commute or maybe like a 30-foot commute. Um, do, you, do you do anything like any sort of a traffic check before you embark on the commute, or do you just like take a deep breath and plunge into it? Um, I'm usually pretty groggy, so I just stumble my way through it. Um, I try. Uh, but, but that said, I mean, I work from home, but my job in, uh, involves a fair amount, not a ton, but a fair amount of travel. So I'm really, my everybody else's hour-long commute, I'm just compressing that into big, long trips every couple of weeks. Do you have any coming up? Uh, I'm going to Dallas at... Five o'clock in the morning tomorrow um, to return tomorrow night at midnight. Um, but that's not a typical trip for me. That's kind of a long day. Uh, are you are you looking forward to being groped? I have. All right. So I, I went to uh, Las Vegas a few weeks ago, um, mm-hmm. and I, it was the first time that I saw the backscatter thing, um, mm-hmm. the, the new one. And uh, you, you can call that, Diego's. by the way, Mark, that backscatter thing. You can just call it the cancer machine. Well, yeah, tell me about it. And, and I've gotten a couple of moles cut off of me. I'm, I'm not thrilled about getting more. I'm already getting enough uh, rads sitting up on that airplane. Um, and, and a frequent traveler like myself, yeah. Um, so, and I'm, well, I'm thinking that this backscatter thing that I went through a couple of weeks ago, was, and I travel all the time, so it was definitely very new. Mm-hmm. Um, it might have been the one that that guy on the news the last couple of days in San Diego, um, if you touch my junk, I'll have you arrested. It might have been the, the, the same machine. So. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to uh, stand in line and, and go through. It's too early in the morning for me to make a civil disobedience. Uh, just bring a couple of doses of Radaway and you'll be fine. Yes. So, uh, all right. So you're going to Dallas. What's is Dallas going to be a fun place to go? Um, is it ever? I don't know. Um, I, uh, it's going to be. You just slammed Dallas. That's awesome. Well, I. I <laughs> I'm going to go, and I'm going to, I'm going to be on a plane all morning. I'm going to sit in a meeting for two hours. Right. I'm going to go out to dinner right. uh, with hopefully no one who's listening to this podcast, who I, I probably won't enjoy that dinner all that much, and then I'm going to get on a plane coming home. So I, I probably can't be too, uh, say too much about Dallas. But I've been there a lot, actually. I've gone through there um, quite a bit, and uh, I don't know. What, what will you do on the plane uh, with your time? I will listen to a couple of gaming podcasts. You don't have a DS or something to bring along? I do have a DS, but my Android phone and movies 
um, have kind of supplanted the DS for lack of compelling software in the last few months. So when you say movies, you're watching movies on your little Android, right? Yeah, it's a little four-inch screen. Um, isn't that? Isn't that, that? Maybe I'm just too much of a cinephile, but it, isn't that? Doesn't that? Doesn't that really hurt a movie? What? What movies are you watching on your little four-inch screen? And I ask Mark because I vividly recall a few years ago, uh, or maybe one year ago, seeing someone watching. I was on the subway, and someone with an an iPhone watching uh, Dark Knight. <laughs> I remember thinking. Well, Good Lord, what a way to compromise the experience. You'll love this. My phone um, actually launched with a copy of Avatar. Oh, good Lord. The the absolute last (laughs) movie you would ever watch on a foreign screen, if on any screen. Um, So, yeah, that's just irony. That's somebody's idea of a joke. I, I wouldn't watch The Dark Knight. I wouldn't watch some big action spectacle on my phone, certainly, but... If I'm going to watch, uh, probably tomorrow I will watch, because I'll be very groggy, I will probably watch an old episode of Mystery Science Theater, um, which are always crying ah. themselves to the foreign screen. That's a very good call. That's a very good call. Yeah. Uh, so uh, uh, now now you told me before, uh, Kitty is not much of a gamer, right? Actually, does she? Have you tried to get her to play any games? Has that taken? She is a whiz with Weeble. Yeah, that's not a game. That doesn't count. <laughs> is, is that it? Is that is that the only progress um, made? Have I ever tried? Yeah, you know, I also tried to. Um, I, I handed her the Mario Kart, um, the little wheel that came with the Wii, mm-hmm. and uh, she wasn't. She didn't take. I, I thought that that was the the, the casual experience that might uh, take. And no, no, that's not she. Uh, do you have, and I don't want to sound, you know, sexist, like, oh, this game is really cute and it's great for girls, because I think this game is great for everyone, but do you have a Kirby Epic Yarn? I don't, and I've heard nothing but wonderful things about it for, for boys and girls. Yeah. Um, so I think if if you're commit, if you want to try, if you just want to give up on Kitty, that that's fine, and, you know, but if you want to go in again and give it a third shot, I would recommend... Uh, given seeing if uh, Kirby Epic Yarn what we'll take I don't know is it uh, is it co-op yes okay because yep. she's not she never knew this alone um, ah so right right co-op right. experience I can imagine yeah yeah there's really cute little co-op in, in it as well yeah um, so uh, so she's not a gamer uh, but uh, I understand that you have an arrangement with her uh, so. Every Friday night, how does this work? You are, is it sort of like, I'm going to geek out on Friday night, uh, and that's your understanding with her? How, how does that whole thing work? Yeah, I don't even, I don't know when we actually sort of formalized this, but over over time, and it certainly has been like the last two years or so, uh, mm-hmm. Friday nights have just become this sacrosanct game night. Um, now, now I game, I game, I don't use game as a verb, I play <laughs> games, um, all week yeah, on multiple nights, but but Friday night you can just—that's what I'm going to do. It. You're going to do it in a block of time. It's not going to be yes. a little time here and there. It's a concentrated, just bulk time of of gaming Friday nights for you. Yep, and and she loves it because it, that's her like veg out and watch Netflix streaming movies for seven hours too. So so it's a good um, time for us each to just get that alone sort of geek out or movie out time. And lately, is that which is that how you've been making progress in Fallout New Vegas? Yeah, I just finished it uh, last Friday night. Uh, I think I put 
to 50 some odd hours into it and then finally you know you kind of finish it when you decide to finish it on on the pc on the pc yep i did not have your troubles and and tribulations oh i you know i'm still i mean i i I think it's a sign of a great game that i went through all of that crap and basically ended up throwing my hands up uh you know it won't work for me uh i'm done with it so i went through all that and normally at this point, I would just say, you know what, F Fallout New Vegas, I'm done with it, forget it. Uh, but I'm, I'm excited for them to get, get around to patching it and getting back into playing it. I mean, I, and I think that's really a sign of a, a good game, that I almost have this, I almost feel like a battered wife coming back again. Uh, <laughs> that's I, an excellent analogy, that, that's funny. Um, yeah, and so there's I, more of that now, I think. Yeah, we, we can just coast on good content and people will just deal with the fact that yeah. we didn't really finish it yeah uh so i i uh i would want to talk to you more but i'm i'm in this stage where i'm partway through it and i i don't want to know where it's going i'm I'm excited to find out uh one of the things that uh a friend of mine who's on the uh, game sharks podcast a fellow named todd who i don't know if he did the review but anyway he got through it and one of the observations todd made about it which really excited me was that it gets better as you get farther into it uh, it gets better and better as you get closer to the end. Would you agree with that? Yes. Oh, you jerk. You're wanting to yeah, make me yeah, play sorry. more. <laughs> All right. Well, I wish they would hurry up with the patch. They've got downloadable content coming out on December 21st, so I figure they've surely got to have it tidied up by then for, for the 360. Oh, so by the way, actually, Mark, you're kind of screwed because they have like this downloadable content for Fallout 3 exclusive to... The 360. Now, I imagine I eventually that will go wider. But, yeah, you don't get to play the DLC for it. Nope. But in 50 hours, I, I think I'm played out. I, I can wait nine months for them to make the business decision that they're going to throw it on the PC. Uh, now, you you have a background with RPGs, because I know you've you've said something about uh, at some point you... Like, you're, you're an Ultima fan, right? Like, you go way back to those kind of RPGs. Yes. Uh, I Back maybe the... the the first RPG that really sucked me in was probably Ultima 3. So so then you, uh, are you familiar with, like, Obsidian's other games? Like, if, did you get into Neverwinter Nights or Alpha Protocol or any of those? I just recently picked up, finally, um, because you couldn't get it without pirating, and I don't do that anymore. I just picked up the first Neverwinter Nights on good old games. They got the, the whole diamond set, and I'm thrilled to go back to that. I loved Neverwinter Nights, mm-hmm. uh, the first one. The second one I would have loved were it not for my idiot NPCs who just couldn't fight their way out of a paper bag and required so much micromanagement that I, I just it distracted me from the game. So, by the way, real quick, speaking of idiot NPCs who distract you from the game, was that a problem for you in New Vegas? No, I, I stuck with a couple of NPCs who... I think their way of getting around idiot NPC was just make them indestructible, and they just you know they pass oh, them well. and just keep dying. You were so. you weren't playing on hardcore mode, were you? No, 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 no. Oh, Mark, not. You're you're such a lightweight. No, I, I drink from <laughs> enough toilets in my own life. I don't need to fantasize about that. <laughs> well, I really have to say the hardcore mode. Just from what I played, I, I was a little disappointed that it wasn't more hardcore. It was more like busy work mode than hardcore mode. Yeah, yeah, it seemed like that. It was like wow, inventory management, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> hardcore mode is just yeah, you spend ten percent more time with your head buried in the pip boy. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, um, all right, so you're an RPG guy. You go back to the Ultima games. 
uh, you just finished Fallout New Vegas. Where do you go from here? Well, it might be uh, might be Black Ops, um, but it might be might be back to that uh, aforementioned Neverwinter Nights. I'm, I'm actually kind of psyched about that. And I also picked up the um, Temple of Elemental Evil um, recently, which is one of my all time favorite uh, Dungeons and Dragons modules, pen and paper mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that they turned into a game which had me frothing. Um, you know, Day Zero purchased the whole nine yards and then was just fraught with bugs, made, made Fallout New Vegas look perfect um, mm-hmm. with stability. So I'm hoping that that maybe has been fixed and, uh, and, and subsequent patches and everything, and, and we'll go back and uh, play through that. Was that Troika? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think okay, it was. Right. Who, who were the old Black Isle guys, maybe? You know, there's there's so much crossover between like like the Black Isle and the, where the, where Bioware comes from, all that. So I don't I can't keep all of that straight. And like Chris Avalone is at Obsidian now. Like all those guys, I just think of them as coming from the same sort of wellspring. Uh, but 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 yeah, I do. Temple of Elemental Evil was uh, Troika, and I think it was right after their maybe their vampire game, uh, which I didn't play. Uh, I didn't play that either. Did they do Arcanum? Arcanum yes. Yeah, because I picked that up too, and I, I have yet to play it. That's one of those where I love the idea of this the setting. I, I didn't get around to playing it much, but uh, I just love that whole uh, steampunk setting concept and the whole magic technology stuff. Um, so, uh, so you, uh, uh, I do. You, I want to talk a bit about like like genres and. When when you talk about a game like Borderlands, which we'll get into in a bit, uh, do you consider that an RPG? No. So it's a, like that's that's part of that that appeals to like the shooter fan in you, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I like the character progression. It's certainly additive, but it's. Uh, I don't know. I'm certainly the reason that I'm playing it until quarter to three in the morning is because I want to get that one more level. So it's it's got to have that RPG hook, right? But um, it is weird though. Like your, your chief activity, like for me, the way I define a shooter is if your chief activity is pointing a gun at someone, then I think of it as as, as a shooter. Like it sort of appeals to that corner of, of my brain. And that was definitely one of the big things in, in Borderlands. But before we talk about Borderlands, did did you play Hellgate London by any chance? No. Because I, I think of Borderlands too as like it's like Hellgate London done right. Uh, and and what about Diablo? Like, have you well, been? Well, I was going to say they're both Diablo, right? They're just exactly. they're Diablo in the first person. That whole yeah, take an action RPG, but with a different kind of action than than we're used to in an action RPG. Uh, yeah. I was never a, an enormous. I mean, I played Diablo. I played Diablo two. Um, I don't know that I finished either one of them. Um, but so I, I can, and I played Torchlight actually, which I, I really liked more than either of the aforementioned, which would probably get me killed. Um, but the the activity of the just grabbing loot and, and progressing and everything like that certainly like that. Um, but I'd rather shoot things than click on things. Right. Uh, have you played? Uh, are you? Are, I don't think of you as much as a strategy gamer. Is that correct? Oh, I am. Oh, that's oh you are. Probably well, my. That might be my favorite genre. Well, well, here you go, Mark. And I have to ask you this: Have you played any of Stephen Peeler's uh, action RPGs? He's got a company called Soldac, and they do uh, Dim's Curse, uh, Depths of Peril. I think I'm getting that title right. 
uh, and they had another one called Heavy something. But uh, have you played any of those games? I've never heard of them. I've never ah. heard of them or, or them or anything. So, yeah, so I think Steven Peeler was from a group of developers down in Austin. But anyway, he's sort of like more of a, a one-man operation now. And he's made a couple of action RPGs. They're little indie things. Um, and I think one of the reasons you might not have heard of his most recent one uh, is because, for whatever reason, he couldn't get it on Steam. And I don't understand why that is, because it deserves to be there. It's a fantastic piece of work. But what he's doing is he's taking these this action RPG format, and he's he's adding a little bit of strategy gaming to it. Um, so, a, as an action RPG slash strategy fan, I would recommend that you uh, check out Soldax. It's S-O-L-D-A-K, uh, their website at some point. I know that there's a couple of threads that uh, that have been fairly active on the forum, but they tend to scroll off of the front page because there's only a few of us in there. But I'll bet you would love some of the stuff that, that Stephen Peeler has done. And those would be great for like a, uh, you know, a laptop on an airplane or something. Well, all right. So, so I think Action RPG plus strategy, and I think um, Warhammer 20, uh, 40,002. Is it like that? I mean, that's an RTS, but it's kind of an action RPG cloaked in the, with a strategy game. Well, what it is is it, it's like Diablo, but with a bigger, sort of with a better meta game built around it. So uh, Depths of Peril was like Diablo, but you're also, there are other uh, heroes that you're competing against. Uh, so it's sort of like you've got these dungeons and you're, you're spelunking the dungeons and you're getting loot and doing quests, but at the same time there are other heroes doing the same thing in the same places, and each of you comes from a different headquarters, a clan building, and your clan buildings can ultimately raid each other. So it's got this strategy meta game where you've got to deal with diplomacy with different clans, you could trade with some of them, you can make friends, uh, and they'll and you've got to protect your own little base. So that's like a separate, almost like an RTS. <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking. You're, you're, you mold those two, and it's almost an RTS like Dawn of War two. Yeah. But there's got to be something. Well, whatever. You're you're scratching my itch. I'm I'm going to look it up. I'm and so yeah. So that right that now. was and and that one was Depths of Peril. Din's Curse, the one he just did. Um, I guess it has less of a claim to that kind of strategy game format, but the deal there is that the dungeons that you are spelunking, uh, they evolve and they get more powerful and they eventually spill up and attack your town. So it's almost like there's a front that you're pushing against and it's pushing against you and you have to decide, okay, what quests am I going to do? Am I going to go down deep and try to break down this machine, the monster's building, you know, the boss's building to create a lightning storm, which gives certain creatures a bonus on higher levels? Am I just going to go, you know, work one level down to time? Uh, is it like do a surgical strike? Uh, you know, do I, do I try to ex- explore certain other levels to try to take out some of his lieutenants who've been attacking? Like, it, it's, it's much more, it's much less of a static dungeon that waits for you to just clear it out than it is something that, it sounds like a, uh, like a, like a sim kind of game where there's a whole other separate organism that you have to deal with, uh, and it's growing and it's doing things to attack you while you attack it. So, yeah, I heartily recommend uh, that you, you take a look at both of those if you're an action RPG fan, which it sounds like you are. Um, so, okay, so let's let's segue now. I, I want to know why you you said earlier, I think, uh, that, that uh, and I wrote this down, that Borderlands, 
think you said, oh, yes, I have it right here. I wrote this down, Mark. I'm going to call you out on this. You said Borderlands, quote, nearly a perfect game, end quote. Powerful language. I wouldn't say it about many games. Um, I would certainly say that Borderlands, for for what it is, for what it's, uh, no, that, I mean, you can qualify. I don't need to. It's nearly a perfect game. <laughs> well, here's what what I want to do. I made a list of what I think are some of the traditional complaints that people bring up about Borderlands. Uh, now, before I throw those at you, I just want to say I'm playing devil's advocate. I love Borderlands. Uh, I, I just I'm I was so pleasantly surprised. My expectations were kind of low. Uh, you know, I didn't think it, I, I didn't really understand what it was when Gearbox was making it. And then when it came out, it's just the more I played it, the more I liked it, and they did all this great DLC for it. But it doesn't work for some people. So I want to throw at you some traditional complaints you hear about Borderlands, uh, and I want to get your take on them. Please. Okay. Borderlands, the loot system sucks. What kind of communist nonsense is that? That's, <laughs> it's one of the greatest loot systems ever conceived. All right, all right. D- describe loot system, because if you mean you constantly get to pick up things that are better than the other things and behave in new and interesting ways, which I would call a loot system, it's mm-hmm. superlative. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I think when people say the loot system sucks... They're like, I, you know, I, I don't have armor, I don't have potions, I can't get rings, uh, I don't have, like, you know, cybernetic implants. Oh, actually, you do have implants. Uh, I, I think people expect loot to be a lot of finicky little bits. So when something like Borderlands comes, comes along and it focuses that loot chase into, you know, discrete weapons that you find from time to time, I think they think, well, this loot sucks. Um, same people who hated Mass Effect 2, probably, for simplifying the upgrade system and kind of putting it all on the weapons. You know, that, that's a good comparison, Mark, but one, one thing I would say there is I think Mass Effect 2, you could argue, uh, and I'm not a fan of that game, so I would agree with this argument, I, I think Mass Effect 2 lost a lot of personality with its streamlining. Conversely, though, the streamlining that Borderlands did, there is, to me, so much personality in the guns uh, from and you know what I'm doing an awful job of being devil's advocate. I should let you. <laughs> but I, you know, the, the guns have so much personality. And the way, for instance, you find a gun with a special trait, you know, it, they, they give you the numbers. But when you get a special trait, you don't get numbers. You get a cool little, like a, a little text passage, a little bit of a snatch of text, which you kind of can you can look it up online. Uh, but you kind of have to figure out, well, what, what does this little red text mean? Uh, and there's just so much personality in that, and personality in animations, the way they reload, the way some of them sound. Um, that, that's the, the big thing. With, besides, I think, having just great shooter mechanics, um, which maybe somebody on your list will say were horrible, um, personality is just so big with Borderlands. It, it just... It, the, the presentation of what you're doing, which is really just running from point A to point B and shooting people, um, is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let let me. What would you say if somebody says that ah, a shooting sucks in this game? That's because I think some people have said that. Um, how would how would somebody say that the shooting sucks? It, it, is it is it the same plank that you'd put against like uh, Fallout, where I, I point my red dot is over this guy's head and it doesn't didn't necessarily hit him because there's like an accuracy modifier in there somewhere? Yeah, come on, you can't survive a, a gunshot to the head. That's not realistic. 
Yeah, no, that's that's true. I mean, it's <laughs> I, it's arguably more realistic than being on a planet, um, you know, filled with <laughs> Mad Max rejects. But um, yeah, the guns in this game, something that I I liked about them is they, to the extent that any mouse click and noise on the screen can feel like a real gun, they feel like a real gun. Mm-hmm. They they have they are differentiated. If, if you've shot a lot of different kinds of guns, you know that they're all very different. They have different ballistics and, and different feel and kickback and all of that. And they did a really great job of modeling that stuff. Again, you know, to the extent that you can in, in a game of that. They have they have, they're just different weapons. They're not interchangeable. It's not like uh, you know Doom, where okay, that this thing is has a higher rate of fire and is uh, does more damage per second, um, but it's still the same thing as the pistol that you just had. Um, these are, they have character. And, you know, I think not only character, Mark, but I would also say they have uh, statistics or numbers. They have info. Like when you shoot someone, you see how much damage you've done and, like, what type of damage. I mean, there's information conveyed there. It's not just you shoot someone and eventually they fall down. You shoot someone, you get a sense for how hard you're hitting them or how hard they're, whether or not they're shrugging off the damage. Uh, and, and that, in a way, feels more like an RPG. I mean, it's still very much a shooter mechanic. It's still very skill-based. You know, you've got to line up the headshot if that's what you're going for. But it has that kind of RPG feedback, uh, which, which I think... It, is it might some people might not like or or might you know some some people might be taken aback by that like I'm shooting somebody why isn't he going down and why are numbers popping out of him? right right that kills the immersion for a right. COD player right right uh, and I, and I think that's the strength of the game I love that little bit of feedback you know you know when I shoot someone in Call of Duty whether or not he dies has to do with whatever numbers voodoo or difficulty level I'm on. And I'm not a part of that process. I just keep firing until somebody dies. Uh, I, I like, as a strategy gamer, as an RPG or I like being involved in the process in Borderlands and seeing how much damage and what kind of damage my, my gun is doing. Um, all right, and again, I just sucked at being devil's advocate. Yeah, I'm going to do better Tom, this you're, you're, i, I got to start arguing against you now. <laughs> I know, I know. Okay, no, we're not going to switch sides because i got a good one now. You ready for this one? All right, the auto map. Here's one. Uh, you know what? I'm okay with that. Like little interface niggles don't bother me that much. I've kind of. Do, do you think that's a problem though? You don't like the auto map? Oh my god! How much? How much co-op online did you play? None. None. All right. When you have three other people who, or two or three other people who know the maps really, really well, <laughs> and you don't know the maps as well, to keep up with them and you know follow them around with and, and have to constantly kind of I mean you get you get some feedback on the screen as to where everybody is, but to have to kind of figure out which of these different exits I have to take from this map to go to the next thing oh. I'm trying to do and not have that overlaid on the screen is is maddening to me. I mean it's maddening to me in, in single player too. Um but in, in multiplayer it was uh I don't know, it made me it, it frustrated me and probably all the other Four souls that were having me follow them around the map. Now, in, in multiplayer, are you can can like for instance, if you and I are playing. Can I like phase into a whole different section without yes, you? You can. You, you can. No, not without me. As soon as somebody phases somewhere else, um, everyone will do it. So, so I'm not really I'm not killing everybody and not allowing them to leave the zone. Um, but when they all take off after the next 
goal that we're at, and I don't happen to see which way they go, it's going to be hard for me to catch up with them, especially right. if we get separated. They have a vehicle, and I'm in another vehicle, and we get separated. Um, it's it's a rough trick sometimes to um, navigate the maps. Now, when you play co-op, like, I've played some split-screen co-op, uh, which is much easier because the guy's right there next to me, and I can say, you know, here I am, or uh, and you can just look at the other guy's screen because I play on the 360, by the way, also. You're, I presume you played it on the on the PC? Yeah, I, I tend to play all the shooters on the PC. I'm a keyboard and mouse guy. Now, uh, when you play multiplayer, uh, is it just like you're jumping into randomly matched games? Are you playing with people you know? Um, either or. Okay. Uh, and but you I, go through GameSpy, which I think most of the thread on QT3 about this is people being very annoyed with the choice to go through GameSpy. It really sucked. Okay, well, I was going to hit you with one that you can't refute, but I'm going to jump to a different one that you can't refute. So here you go. What do you think of this one? When people say, uh, and I have no firsthand experience of this one, but I'm pretty sure that it's, this one gets passed around a lot. When people say it's a really crappily done PC port. Um, it's a really crappily done PC port if you don't download the configuration tool and do the things that poor, you know, uh, we poor besotted uh, PC players have to do with every game anyway. What, what do you have to do with Borderlands? Like, what kind of work? You got to go in the any files. It, it's a, it's a, um, it's an Unreal Three engine game, and it's, it just they make some kind of dumb decisions as to what's enabled and disabled by the default and. Um, if you go through and you tweak them, um, it's it's fine. It, it was a little annoying in the beginning, but once people kind of figured out how to get it to work right, uh, you could get the most out of out of your PC. Right, right. And and you have the advantage too. I've noticed also. It, it seems like it it's not one of those. I'm pretty sure there's some auto aim, but it seems like it's one of those shooters that would definitely benefit from having a mouse to aim with. Uh, I, I get the feeling that. Some shooters are better than others on the 360. I get the feeling that Borderlands, you would definitely have a, a huge advantage getting to play with a mouse. So I'm a little jealous of you there. Uh, well, I'm, I, you know, I'll turn it around and I'll say I'm jealous of you. If you can, and everybody else in the world can do this but me, if you can play a first-person shooter on a console without wanting to kill yourself, <laughs> um, I envy you because I've tried. I've tried so much. I tried recently with uh, the Vanquish demo to just try to do the thumbsticks um, but I can't do it. it. It's so frustrating to me, and I'm, I'm eliminating a pretty yeah. good stable of great games by just not being able to acclimate to that control scheme. That, that is tough, Mark, and it's just, it's just donkey work. You just have to get used to it. I mean, it's second nature to me now, but, yeah, I, I sympathize. Uh, that is tough. How do you do in, in, like, MAG, where you've got other people who are – you've got 14-year-old kids out there that are just, like, all wired for this? How well, you know, that's, that's a very good point, Mark. I do think that w- – the, the the playing competitive first person shooters with a gamepad is can be hugely frustrating because of how good some kids are and it kills Halo for me. Like when I play Halo, I'll have a full you know I'll have a nice weapon. I'll come up behind someone, you know, and I'll have to start shooting to strip his shields and then kill him. But he'll just spin around, jump in the air, and while he's airborne, like headshot me. I mean, I mean the the level people who are really good with a gamepad uh, in certain games is just so frustrating. Um, so yeah, I, I I know. Now Mag's a little different. Like Mag, I I can't really speak to that because in Mag I just run around with a big heavy gun and do a lot of suppressing fire. I I, I know better than to try to play Mag as, as a precision game. I just 
I'm like you. I just don't quite have that in my thumbs. Um, but it's not, you know, I've, I've gone a lot farther down that learning curve than it sounds like you have. So I can understand that must be frustrating. I'm trying. All right. Let me give you another one. Here's, here's the one that I think you can't refute. Uh, in Borderlands, Borderlands sucks because there's not much variety in the enemies. That is certainly an argument that I would make myself. That's a tough one. I mean, it, you know, seeing them always reusing, like, scrags and, uh, yeah, like, there's not a, I don't get a sense that there's sort of different ecologies <laughs> or yeah, areas. Yeah, well, it's, it, I don't know, I, I, I didn't complain about Final Fantasy IV because everything was just palette swapped later on, um, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the same Beholder-type monster or something like that, so... I, I, I mean, I don't care all that much about it, but it's a completely legitimate complaint. At least the the, the monsters or, or the uh, enemies that you have have different, somewhat different attacks, right? And different uh, weaknesses, but they're they're brain dead AI. I mean, no, nobody. This isn't Valve here. Nobody's going to try to flank you or anything. Which again is very much like an an action RPG. I mean, they're they're just fodder that you mow down. Uh, it's not a tactical shooter. You're right. Yeah. Uh, all right, so that's not an argument I would bring against it, but how about this one? Uh, the uh, There aren't enough skills for the character's, like, skill tree. Like, the skill trees are too narrow and too focused and don't offer meaningful choice. What would you say to somebody who says that about Borderlands? What are you, what are you, what are you looking for? Uh, it's not World of Warcraft. Um, it's not... A, a game that sets out to scratch that itch per se. It is, it's a shooter with the trappings and the, the fun parts of an RPG. Um, but it's not. I guess it's not. I don't know that that would be hugely additive for me to have. I mean, what kind of skills would I have that I that I don't have as a? I get I get to choose a sniper or, or a heavy guns guy or melee or, or whatever. What kind of skills would I are lacking or are missing? You you should have a skill where your dude shoots like like lasers out of his eyes. Right, exactly. And, <laughs> and how would that be different from the five different weapon choices that I get that each have like twenty permutations of the capabilities that they have? I it's I don't think that it's a lack of variety in in how those skills manifest in the game mechanics. It's a lack of variety in how those skills are implemented, like on a uh, as different items or something. It's all rolled into the guns and, and the few skills that you have, but there's a ton of variation there. What, what works about it for me is that I find, I think in many RPGs, people expect to build a more sort of horizontal, a, a wider breadth of options. Uh, Borderlands, for, for me, is more about sort of a vertical drilling. Uh, it's like drilling down, more of a vertical stacking of my advantages. Uh, I, I, I get the sense that when I level up, I'm not going to get a new toy. I'm just going to be able to pump up some advantage that I've been pumping up previously, uh, that I'm going to get to push some advantage a little bit farther. Uh, and it, it, it's, it still, for me, scratches that, that leveling itch, uh, even though it doesn't add breadth to the gameplay necessarily. Um, one complaint I have about it uh, is that I, I, I haven't played a lot. I mean, I've played a fair amount, and I, my main character is a soldier. 
Um, but I see like the guy who gets the bird and that phase walk stuff. That that looks really fun, and I want to play with that. But <laughs> it seems I, I can't, you know, I can't pull back from leveling up my soldier. Uh, so so I see these really cool abilities that I'm probably never going to get to play with because I've I got my turret instead. Here's your solution. Yes. Um, go in an online game, in an online co-op game with people who are a couple of levels above you, mm-hmm. and you will level up. You just pick your new sniper, jump into that game, and you will level up incredibly fast because you're going to level up at their with their experience points. And so what, you don't have to slog it through yourself. So it's real easy to like twink low-level characters. Like what? Oh my God! Yeah, you can you can go up 15 levels um, and and be really really powerful in an afternoon. You know, so the, the here mark is a is a big part of Borderlands that I have not experienced. T- tell me a bit about how it it works for you as a multiplayer game. It sounds like you've done a fair bit of that. You know, you mentioned the map is a huge pain in the butt, uh, but that that it makes it really easy to level different characters. Um, is that is that chiefly how you play it? Do you play a lot of it solo? How, how does it? I played most. I, I put in 150 hours, I think, at this point, mm. and that's that's probably up there with like Civilization two in my all time uh, hour logging. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, I, I like the game even more than I thought I would. Um, but maybe 30 of that has been online. I played it mostly single player. Um, but there's. It was one of the first games that I personally played uh, co-op online. Um, and, and it was actually, I think, one of the, the early games in this generation um, to offer co-op rather than just kill each other deathmatch or, or team deathmatch or something like that. Um, I really like that. Uh, I'm kind of tired of headshots in Call of Duty or Counter-Strike or something like that, so I, re- I really warmed to that. Um, but... I kind of felt like I, like I said, without the auto map and, and with my sort of, um, I don't know, for, for whatever reason, I felt like I was kind of holding everybody back. Um, so I didn't, I didn't play as much as if I, I thought I was like the leader of the group and was like fantastic um, at doing everything. Right, right. What's your main character? Which one, which of the four did you pick? Um, the soldier, I think, is the one that I spent most of the time with online. The soldier's got some really good um, buffs for the team, mm-hmm. uh, like ammo regeneration, um, and the turret comes in handy. Um, so that was the one that I played the most online. Mm-hmm. Do you have one of each? Yeah, I've got I've got a soldier. Uh, I think I've got like two soldiers and uh, two snipers, maybe. Um, I, I did not play the melee guy because melee in, in first person has just never worked out well. Um, maybe it does in this game. I just that yeah, I've, I've given up. Well, now I'm curious, Mark. You you say you've got two soldiers, uh, two sniper guys. Isn't isn't it pretty liberal? And actually, I could be wrong about this, but isn't it pretty liberal in terms of letting you respec a character? Like what 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 do you get out of having two separate characters? One of whom, on um, each of those, I've got one of them on the second replay, which is like the new game plus right. of Borderlands. And I haven't played online in a while, but I don't think I can get with someone who's on their first replay if ah. I'm a second replay guy and vice versa. I see. Right, right. Uh, and tell, tell me a bit about uh, the what of the DLC have you tried? I have all four of them. I think there's four. Um, well, I have all of them. I, I think there's four. There's the the zombie one, the 
sort of uh, deathmatch one that's that's only in the arena. Uh, the General Knox one, the Claptrap one. I don't think there was another one. No, nope, um, it's those four. Uh, and and it's my understanding, I have limited exposure to some of them, they are of fairly uh, wide-ranging levels of quality. Yes. I, um, I, I'm kind of bummed out by the latest one. Um, I haven't really liked it all that much. Um, and the, the one that's in the arena, Mad Moxie's thing, um, I really just... Didn't enjoy that at all. I that was terrible, was. wasn't it? Yeah, that yeah, that it, was like was just... that completely misunderstood the appeal of the game. I thought. Yeah, absolutely. that was like somebody made that who had no idea what made Borderlands good. Or somebody made that who thought with very little incremental effort we could release DLC. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's no content. Um, it's just a it's a math engine. Mm-hmm. Um, so that what what's wrong with the Claptrap uh, Revolution? Um, nothing per se. Um, maybe it's me. Maybe I've uh, maybe a hundred hours, hundred and fifty hours is my titration endpoint for uh, Borderlands, and I'm just done. But um, I just uh, it hasn't sucked me in, and I thought it would because I I kind of like the whole claptrap thing. I a lot of people thought that that was just cutesy and awful, but I appreciated the sort of subversive humor of it. Um. And I, so I thought more of that would be a good thing. And so far, not it's not hooking me. I, I like General Knox the most by far. Oh, oh really? Okay. Well, because the one that I've played is uh, is the Island of Doctor Ned one, and I really liked how that had its own kind of vibe to it. It had its own style and palette and tone. I I thought. Uh, and so so two questions. Does uh, does is there any of that in either the Fort Knox or the or the uh, Claptrap Revolution DLC? And what makes the Knox one better than Island of Doctor Ned? Um, General Knox is actually mostly. Do you remember the um, the city of Old Haven? I guess the the one that's got all the troopers in it. It's actually really hard when you first start in the main game, not not in the DLC. Right. Um, right. The troopers there, uh, all armored and, and powerful troopers, are the principal enemies in um, General Knox. So mm-hmm. in various iterations, uh, there's chemical troopers and fire troopers, and they kind of go the whole elemental route um, with their the variation among them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just uh, they're harder. Um, they're, they, uh, they have better weapons. They're harder to kill. They have shields, stuff like that. So just straight up. As a shooter, I love that game versus plinking zombies from very far away um, in Dr. Ned. I mean, I liked that a lot. I did like the character. Um, didn't that come out, like, right around Halloween? That sounds, yeah, no, that sounds about right. Yeah, about a year yeah. ago. Yep, yep. Um, I, I certainly remember kind of getting sucked up in the spooky, spoofy uh, zombie vibe of it. Um, but General Knox is it's got more of the the core shooter mechanics that I like, maybe a little bit less of the the character, but still some. I mean, the the guy General Knox himself is this worn out sort of uh, guy who's who's being ordered around by a four year old boy or something like that. Um, it, it's got with the where they inject the humor and everything like that. I liked more than. Any of the other humor in the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, one of the one of the complaints, and this is what I'm currently that right now. There are two reasons that I uh, both am not and cannot play Borderlands. I'll tell you about in a minute. But one of the one of the things that I'm struggling with is the whole leveling system. Is that right now I'm in this weird gray area where I played the Doctor Ned content, and then I went back into the core game. And all the stuff I was doing is gray, and I'm having to fumble around and try to find now my, you know, the normal difficulty level stuff. Uh, so that that's one of the things that I think is a they they had a real problem with is is how do you how do you move somebody through all the content without either leaving them behind the power curve uh, without screwing that up, uh, and that's what's right now a, a big obstacle for me. Um, did you did you have any difficulty with that? Um, no, not in the. I think I had seen that happen in the multiplayer because you're when you go into multiplayer, the host of the game you're sort of tied to his quest line, mm-hmm. so a lot of your stuff is not going to be available if it doesn't overlap with his. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe when I started doing the DLC, I was sort of aware of that's how the game handled it and avoided it the way that I played the DLC. Um, right. But yeah, that's certainly a problem. Uh, is do you think Borderlands is hard? No. And is that a problem? Do you wish it was too, hard? It's not too easy. I mean, I, I certainly died. I did. The penalty for death is not great, so you, you don't really have any feeling that oh man, I'm, I just lost ten hours of progress, or <laughs> I really shouldn't have done that. I mean, you, I will. When I got so frustrated with the map, at times I would just jump off a cliff so I could go back to. That's <laughs> um, You're not supposed to do it that way. <laughs> Uh, right, right. So, but that is when you you mention that mark, it is basically like paying a small sum of money to fast travel when you think about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's not that's probably maybe what makes it nearly and not totally perfect, Tom. Um, and that they made some poor design choices, maybe or, or suboptimal design choices, because they really just don't punish you for doing anything wrong. Right. And I, I say that it's hard. Uh, I'm sorry. Say that again. What makes you say that it's hard or? or Oh no no I was I don't think it's hard uh, I sometimes wish that it, it was that there was more of a sense of risk reward like uh, right now and I, I think they want it to be this way right now it's just constantly making progress I'm always pushing forward at varying rates of efficiency um, and as someone who really gets into the games like like Demon Souls that has that you know that can punish you and that can force you to make tough choices about how much you want to progress and by the way that's another great thing about Stephen Peeler's action RPGs is that they really force you into some tough risk reward decisions um, I, I kind of wish that Borderlands had some difficulty setting that did that um, but I yeah, it's more on the Bioshock and yes uh, pain. And and the thing is, it's really not that content strong as Bioshock is. I can understand Bioshock being built that way because it's got a story it wants to tell you. Um, but in a game without a story, that's a lot. That's mainly mechanics. Um, and and there's personality there. I don't mean to detract from that. But in a game that's primarily the gameplay mechanics, I, I just wish that it could be a bit more challenging uh, sometimes. Um, here, here's another thing that I'm surprised about, and I, I wonder if you agree with me here. Um, They've done a great job with adding new content with the DLC, but I'm surprised they haven't introduced new characters because that would, I, I think, really encourage replays. Like, I, I mean, you know, I've, I haven't played all the characters, but for a lot of people who have, 
think of what that would do to add replay value is to just fold a whole new character into the game. And it's not like they have to balance it for PvP or anything. Um, so I'm a bit surprised they haven't done that with DLC. This is the first time that I've thought about that, but you're absolutely right. Um, that, that would introduce, uh, certainly get me at another 20-hour playthrough. Yeah. Um, and it would be easy, like you say. There's no new dialogue trees or anything like that to accommodate a new character. Right, right. Yeah, because it's so not story-driven. Just uh, So who knows? Maybe they'll surprise us. Uh, although, I don't know. They're, they're, I'm sure they've got other bigger fish to fry right now. Uh, let me uh, let me ask you about this part of the game. Um, you, I think I've got this correct, but uh, you, you mentioned playing D and D. Did you also play like Gamma World and Twilight Two Thousand? I I want to go back to when I was sixteen and find the right guys to play them with because the aforementioned craziness about the Cold War and all things atomic. Um, I wish I could have experienced those games back then, but no, I, I have not. Oh, you have not. Okay, so but but that whole like is part of the appeal. That whole Mad Max vibe, the post nuclear uh, apocalypse, uh, that must be a huge part of like the atmosphere that you like. In, yes, in absolutely. Yeah. And, and the the specifically and Fallout really just set the mold for this. The juxtaposition of the destroyed world with the crazy optimistic. You know, this is this is the perfect place for you to go. Come see Pandora. Ah, right. Like a vacation destination when it's really a husk of a world. <laughs> and and I like the, the outrageous, cheesy, uh, you, you know, like the, the psycho midgets and stuff. I mean, it makes me think of like like Wes in, in Road Warrior, like the, the just outrageous, crazy characters in bondage gear. You know, that stuff is, is ridiculous. Nobody's going to dress like that in an apocalypse, but that's the the way that I, as a kid, was introduced to the apocalypse. And it's cool to see some of that expressed in, in Borderlands, um, which really does have a lot of unique style to it and personality aside from the guns. So that's really interesting. When when you think about the, the guys in the bondage gear and the helmets coming after you, if they had stayed with their original art style, which mm. looked very much like Fallout 3, and I guess that's why they didn't do it a rage back when that was maybe going to come out sometime in the century, um, would that have worked? Would that have been funny, or would it have been more scary? Um, you know, that, that transition, did they just introduce a level of sort of comedy and, and whimsy that they had not originally intended at all. I mean, that's, that's a huge part of what I like about it. Like same, I, same. I mean, I'm so tired of games that take themselves so seriously, and it's one of the huge just buzzkills for me in the Call of Duty games uh, is this whole, like, earnestness about their story. And, and the fact that Borderlands looks like a cartoon with that cell shading and it's outrageous like a cartoon, that's just a huge selling point for me. And it makes it a place that I have much more patience with. You know, you, you've been there for 150 hours, uh, and I could see myself doing that with Borderlands, and I just couldn't if the game took itself so seriously. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I contrasted something. I mean, Bioshock was a great game, but it had all that heavy yeah. Randian <laughs> stuff. This is the anti-Bioshock. This yeah. is like, we're, we're, it's 1996, guys. We're just going to go shoot stuff, <laughs> and we'll put an inch-deep story narrative on top of that, which is just funny and whimsical. And, you know, you know Mark, hearing you describe it that way, makes me think that maybe Duke Nukem is in good hands after all with Gearbox. Yeah, you're right. You're right. 
And, and we're overdue for that sort of corrective of these the solemn, take themselves yes. too seriously shooters. Absolutely. Oh, God. Like, like Halo, for instance. I mean, you don't have a 360, so you don't have to put up with that. But good Lord, those guys at Bungie, oh, it's just, they're so earnest. <laughs> Lighten up, guys. <laughs> uh, so, so you mentioned something that was interesting to me earlier when we were talking, and that is the music in Borderlands, to which my response was, there's music in Borderlands? Yeah, so, if, if I were going to put uh, together a list of knocks against the game, um, I would put right at the top, and this is just me, um, the music is just, it's not um, its not there. It's sort of ambient music, and, and it sort of uh, almost crescendos when you get in a big firefight, but it really just doesn't, it's not anything that I'm, it's going to bring me back to the game. Oh, you think that's a bad thing? Because I thought you were oh, sort absolutely. of speaking admiringly. Oh, okay, okay. No, I mean, it, it's not. It's not per se a knock against the, the great guys at Gearbox that made this fantastic game. But me personally, when I, I found like over the years and years and all the games that I've played that music is enor- an enormous hook for me to go back and revisit a game. I'll, I'll play Chrono Trigger again for the first time in five years because the music and the melodies are in my mind. Um, and, and it's a great game. But that'll bring me back. That that's a hook, and there's just nothing like that with Borderlands, which is funny because it it really is. It has become one of my favorite games of all time, and music is so important to me as part of the experience. To have it lacking is just it occurred to me. It's just kind of odd. Can you think of of a shooter or an action game recently that 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 has the kind of soundtrack that that you would expect that that would be a hook for you? That's a great question, and, and as I as I process the thought, I think, well, music is for RPGs and maybe strategy games. Does it ever, is it ever really good in an actioner? Um, and I can't think of one off the top of my head. Um, I mean, Doom had a rockin' soundtrack uh, back in the day. <laughs> if you had uh, that MIDI card. tracks of it. Yeah, right, if you had a sound blaster, not an ad that far. We're aging ourselves, but... Um, yeah, you know that I, I think of all the shooters that I've played in in recent years, and they're oh, I'll, I'll give you one, um, uh-huh. but it's not a shooter. Uh, Fallout, uh, the last two Fallout games. I mean, a lot of that wasn't original soundtrack, um, but the the stuff that they brought in over the radio is definitely very very catchy, yeah. and great in the idiom, but also. Um, the the sort of ambient soundtrack of that I thought was just really good. Um, it, it captured the feeling of walking through the wastelands and seeing bombed out buildings really, really well. It, it complemented the game in, in a way that Borderlands just didn't affect me. Is that in New Vegas too? I feel so dumb yes. asking that. Yeah, in fact, I, I think I haven't looked this up, but I think some of the tracks may be recycled. I don't know if it was uh, Eon or Ion Zur. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody's going to Google this right now and, and hate us both for not knowing it. But um, I, whoever composed the music for Fallout 3, um, I think they reused some of the tracks. And there's some of the same kind of style, even if there are some new tracks in, in right. New Vegas. So a, cu- a couple of games that come to mind for me when I think of uh, music that sticks with me, it's almost never the music that plays during a battle, partly because I, I think your brain is sort of preoccupied with other things at that point. And plus, at that point, I think developers want you to hear cool guns and stuff. Uh, but but I, I think of, of uh, 
I, I think of the Bioshock games as having this really sweet, wistful string music uh, in in the soundtrack, and I really loved some of that. Now, Bioshock would also do the thing where when a battle starts with a splicer or whatever, it gets to be this like action drum beaty kind of music, and that that stuff doesn't move me so much. But I distinctly remember the basic themes of 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 Bioshock, like when you're in the bathosphere and you first see Rapture. Uh, yes, those, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and so distinct to Bioshock, too. I mean, that... And then another one, uh, I don't know if you played Far Cry 2, the Ubisoft that Open World Games had in Africa. For about uh, 15 minutes, and then I get... Well, about, about an hour and a half, probably, and then I got done with it. Okay, well, th- there's... Uh, you, you know that that game is a it's a, a love it or hate it game. That's fair enough. But but uh, they did some really cool uh, music with that. That uh, it wasn't like African music. It was more. Uh, it was, I think it was a lot of string stuff, like with violins and, and kind of wistful and sad. And then it would transition to action music when you got in a gunfight. But when you're just walking around uh, from place to place and just crossing the terrain, uh, I really like the music there. Um, but yeah, well, like that's I, it, right? You're you're walking around from place to place, and that's why it's got good music. Same thing with Fallout. Same thing with RPGs. Um, I suppose you're, you're never going to do any walking around from place to place in Call of Duty, and, and thus it won't be that great. I mean, game music is, is designed so you can listen to it for a long time uh, yeah. without getting annoyed. Um, you're just not going to get that in a, in a firefight in Call of Duty, I guess. Well, I, some of the best walking around music, and, and these guys kind of, I think, pioneered a whole other concept. Um, Rockstar's idea of putting a radio in your car and then making gameplay, just taking a car from point A to point B, is just brilliant because then they license music that we know, and that right there, you know, driving somewhere in a car, listening to a song you like, you know, that's that's an experience everybody understands. Uh, Absolutely, yep. And I think there's a little bit of that with this idea of tuning your pit boy into a station that you like, you know, pick whichever one of the two or three stations that you you can hear and just, you know, groove on a few songs while you're, while you're going somewhere uh, in Fallout. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, uh, so Borderlands. Are you done with it? Will you keep playing Borderlands? I think Borderlands will be on my yearly revisit list. I I, I think I'm at my at, at the end of my rope right now. Um, with it, I'll try to, maybe this Friday night if I'm not playing one of uh, Stephen Peeler's games. I will uh, try to force myself back into Claptrap. Um, but then I'll probably be done for a while. But I absolutely know that I will six months, nine months from now, pick it right back up again and throw another 20, 30 hours into it. Does Borderlands, let me ask you this, does Borderlands have Steam achievements? I'm playing, the version that I'm playing is through Steam, and I think that it does. It's got its own little, the little achievements that you get. Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah. Do those um, do anything? Give you experience points. Yeah, they give you okay. experience points boost. So, so great for that because I'm, I'm not an achievements guy, but when they actually help my character in game, then I'm more likely to pursue them. Right, right. I'm not sure if it. I, I think it has to use Steam achievements. I think so. But that doesn't. Well, I was going to ask if that drives the gameplay because those of us with Xbox 360s, Mark, we love our achievements, and that that can drive how we play a game. And I just wondered if that works that way with Steam Steam achievements. Um, but it sounds like not, I remember that page where, like, is it using a certain? Oh no, no, it's like killing certain types of creatures. 
Yeah, it's like kill, yeah. kill a, a hundred racks, uh, shoot a thousand guys in the head, run a hundred guys over, or stuff like that. And you hit certain thresholds and you get an XP dump. Right, right, yes. exactly. Yeah, yeah, good. And All some right. of them are considerable, so they, they actually reward you a bit, I think, for, for going after them. So you have before. Have you done things you wouldn't otherwise do based on what's on that page? Absolutely, which I do not do in any of my 360 games or PlayStation 3 games at all. Okay, well, that, that means you're an achievement whore. I, I, am, I am a, uh, I'm not a, pr- a promiscuous achievement whore. <laughs> it's just this one game. Okay, you're monogamous with Borderland achievements. Okay, it's not a, it's not a Steam thing. All right. Uh, what, uh, so we're at, uh, we're at the holiday season. Uh, is there anything, I guess there's nothing more coming out. Like, we, we've kind of hit the big last push, haven't we? I was going to say, is there anything else coming out this year that you're really, oh, here you, here you go. World of Warcraft, does that do anything for you? No. I've tried I've tried several times with the um the trials and everything. Um and So, so and this this year then, is there anything is this now sort of like it's Christmas morning, you've opened all your presents? Is there anything coming out this year that you're looking forward to? I guess there's not much left, is there? No. Fall, Fallout was the last thing that I was really excited about. Um Black Ops I will certainly play, but I wasn't hugely anticipating it. Um yeah, there, there's nothing else on any of the platforms that I'm looking forward to. What about what about Bejeweled Three? Oh my God, really? <laughs> um, and I, all right, so so I, yeah, I've never played more. I've played five minutes of Bejeweled in my life, but uh, Puzzle Quest? Oh my God, that that I sunk dozens of hours in ah. both of the Puzzle Quest games. So I'm not knocking uh, the Bejeweled mechanic at all. Just got to throw an RPG patina on top of it. And yep, yep, absolutely, absolutely. All right, well, Mark, I'm about to ask you a random question. that has nothing whatsoever to do with anything that we've talked about. So I'm just putting you on warning. Are you ready for this? I'm preparing. You must sacrifice one of your ten fingers... Which one will it be? Well, if you talk to me in three months, I'll probably say my <laughs> finger on my left hand. Uh, I guess it's probably. I guess it's uh, not for that reason, but it's probably my ring finger on my left hand. I can't see. I get all that much use out of it. Do you um, play rock band? No, no, not at all. Because I uh, I was thinking about it too. Like the, my ring finger is uh, you got to do this like fret work. It's just pushing stupid little buttons in time with the music. But uh, yeah, like I have a hard time. Like it's my least dexterous finger. I'm least able to do stuff with my ring finger. So, I do play the bass guitar. And oh, you I play like, actual music. Well, you're gonna screw yourself up. Really? You're gonna you're gonna let go. Yeah, but of I, I'm I'm looking at my hand now and I'm thinking I could make it up with my pinky and maybe even get some fame as like the you know, four <laughs> fingers on his, on his left hand basis. Can't, couldn't you do with, just get rid of one on your right hand? Cause don't you need your left hand to do the, what's it called? The frets or whatever. Yeah. Oh, that my right hand is, is almost useless. I got two fingers on my right hand that I use for any of the bass, but I got to think that my non bass playing life is going to suffer a lot with that right hand being molested in any way. How do you play? Like, what, what do you you play a bass? Like, are you in a band? You just mess around and do. Music? I just mess around. I, I, I just kind of jammed with random friends and stuff like that. But no, I, I have no aspirations to actually be make a life out of it or anything. I probably 
if I were a little bit more motivated, would actually try to get into a local band, but it's more kind of a jam with myself kind of thing. Now, how did you get stuck being the dude who plays bass? Because that's kind of like having to be the the cleric in in D&D. Oh, my God. That's what everybody says. They say, what, what do you, who do you call a guy who hangs out with musicians? A bassist. <laughs> nice. No, I, I chose the bass. It's my favorite instrument. When I listen to music, I listen. If, if you separate it into bass, drums, guitar, keys, vocals, whatever, I'm listening to the bass principally. The bass and the drums, the rhythm section, That that's what really gets me going. Um, so I, I chose the instrument because that's what I wanted to do. What are really good songs to play on bass? Um, Ramble On by Led Zeppelin. Whoa! Um, I can totally hear You know what? That's funny, Mark, because when you say that, I can totally hear that bass line now. Well, yeah. it's, it's, it popped off the top of my head because it's the song that made me want to play bass when I was like 11 years old or whatever. Um, anything, just about anything that John Paul Jones has ever done, um, Ramble On, What Is and What Isn't What Should Never Be, any, anything by Zeppelin is fantastic. Um, a lot of the Hendrix stuff is very simple bass, um, so it's easy to pick up and is is just feels great. Um, okay, I'm gonna ask any you. Any song's great to play on bass as long as it, there was a good bassist involved. I'm gonna ask you a trivia question. What's the name of the bassist for the Doors? Um, well, it depends. It was Ray Neapolitan on some of the albums. They didn't really have a bassist, so they went through. There you go. Musicians. All right, you, you got the answer. You're good. You got it. Very good. Why do you know that? I guess because you're a bassist. Blue, Blue Sunday uh, is a great song to play on bass. Uh, and Peace Rock, both of those guys, back-to-back. Morrison Hotel, great bass song. Now, you know, you could play that stuff on Rock Band if you were playing Rock Band. I've, I've talked to other people about, I mean, everybody says I, I should get into the uh, Rock Band, about that whole genre. Um, and if I want to do that, I just go and pick up my bass. Um, it's just not, there's no, um, there's no draw to me to pretend to do something that I would do obviously better on the, on the game that the, the results would sound better, but, um, it, well, if I were playing guitar or drums or something like that, but I, if I, if I get that feeling, I just go and pick up my bass and put something on and play along with it. Uh, as someone though, who has jammed with other people, uh, I will say one of the really cool things about rock band is I'll bet you dollars to donuts uh, that would be something really awesome that you could do with Kitty. Yeah, yeah, I think I can imagine that, yeah. certainly. Um, yeah, throw her on the drums. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, it, it, it's the social aspect of it, right. I'm sure, is compelling and wonderful. And I have friends who play it. Right. Um, I just, I've never, I, I guess I, you know what I need to do? I need to show up at a party where people are doing it, and somebody just hands me the guitar, and then I'm, maybe I'll be hooked. Yeah, yeah. All right, so did you settle on, uh, is it your, your left ring finger? That's, that's the one that if you have to sacrifice a finger, you're going you're gonna to let go of? I think so. Okay. I think so. Have you seen Taxi Driver, by the way? You're talking to me? Yeah. <laughs> oh, very good. Nice. <laughs> Do you remember the bit with uh, Albert Brooks? Uh, demonstrating how the guy missing fingers is trying to light 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 a, a match from a book of matches. It's just a little tiny bit where Albert Brooks is like twisting his fingers up and demonstrating how a guy who I think only has like a ring finger a ring finger and a thumb uh, lights a match. Uh, 
That's right. That's okay. Those brain cells were killed years ago. <laughs> I just, I, I have a propensity to, to remember a lot of stupid little details from, from movies. And so when I think about losing fingers, I just think of that Albert Brooks bit. Uh, have you ever seen a movie called Pope of Greenwich Village? Mickey Rourke, right? Yep. And, uh, um, yeah, in my youth. Eric Roberts gets his thumbs cut off. I think Burt Young does it, too, by the way. Uh, so... Well, I mean, on the subject of finger clippings, I'm, uh, there, there's got to be better finger clipping scenes. I, I, uh... You ever see a movie called Phantasm? A horror? Oh movie? my God! Yes, and that That's might be the the excellent. ultimate finger clipping scene. Yeah, yeah. There's probably a website for this. Uh, <laughs> it's probably it's probably some weird kink that some people have. There's probably a fetish for. for that's gross. I can't believe I even thought of that. <laughs> All right, so uh, there will be a oddly enough a a post in uh, a thread in the Everything Else forum. Uh, you must sacrifice one of your ten fingers. Which one will it be? Uh, to go into the drawing for a free game along with Mark. Uh, those of you listening, post your answer there. And in your answer, you must mention something you won't be able to do once you've sacrificed one of your ten digits. So post your answer. Let me know what you won't be able to do. You'll go into the drawing for a free game. Uh, and just to update folks, some of these threads I have let run for going well on a month now. So that's how this is going to work from now on, is there will be a, a thread and a secret code or whatever you have to use to post in it. And I'll just let it run for a while. And then at some point, I'll go in and I'll pick out the winner. This is done by a random number generator. Uh, and then I'll uh, post some indication in the thread that a winner has been picked. And I will then put an asterisk in the title. So if you hear something on this podcast and you look up the thread and there's no asterisk yet in the title, then go ahead and post your answer in it because it means that a winner has not been picked and your name can go into the drawing. So those of you listening, uh, weigh in. Good luck uh, for a free game. Mark, you have a you have a you have a Wii, you have a 360 and a PS3. Uh, all of them. Wow. Okay. You you really need to get to work on the whole thumb conditioning for playing. I'm shooters. trying. I'm trying. And the move is not going to solve my problems, or nor is the connect. So I think it's going to be thumbsticks. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Mark, thank you for hanging out. I was really glad to get to talk Borderlands. Oh, and I wanted to say uh, just some, a, a real quick last-minute uh, whining from me. I had a defective Xbox 360 that was digging grooves into the bottoms of my discs. Uh, I didn't realize this until it had basically dug grooves into about a half dozen of my games. One of those games is Borderlands, and I recently tried to play because I knew we were going to be talking about it, and I, I booted it up, and I got reacquainted with my soldier, and I was like, yeah, this is really great. Anytime I try to go into, I think it's New Haven, the game just, I, it returns a dirty disk error. It cannot load, and I've tried to install it to the hard drive. So basically, for all intents and purposes, my copy of Borderlands freaking died, which is really uh, annoying, especially now that we've talked. I'm like, yeah, I want to go in and uh, level up my soldier. Uh, so I don't even have a copy of Borderlands anymore. Because that doesn't happen to you on a, on a PC, does it? I was going to say the worm has turned. <laughs> Steam uh, can save we uh, PC gamers from problems like that. All right. I, I hope you're enjoying your schadenfreude right now. <laughs> uh, Mark, it's been great talking to you. Thanks. Uh, and uh, I will be seeing you around on the forum. Thank you. Take care, Mark. We got the mother and the kids, we got the guy and the day. We 
all get mad, we all get late. Looks like somebody forgot about us. Sitting on the corner, waiting for a bus. Say, hey, Mr. Cyberman, don't be close. I got somewhere I gotta go. Say, hey, Mr. Cyberman, drive that thing fast. My precious time keeps slipping past.